Good morning or afternoon. I don't know, whatever time it is. Hey, hope you're having a great day. Good Monday. Um, let's get into this. Uh, I've been thinking about strongholds and thinking about how they can remain strong, even in, in the midst of, of knowing that uh, these things have been broken off or, or we have a, a defeated enemy. These things still are, are persistent. And, um, and and how it looks like some of these things won't ever be broken or they're just a continuous cycle that just doesn't end and, and things keep coming back up and back up. And it, it's just over and over again in a constant thing. And, and we start to believe the, that it can't be broken. We start to live in a faith that says, um, I put more trust in, in this over here than I do in Jesus. And, and so if strongholds break at the mention of the name of Jesus, why do they remain effective in people's lives? And, and, and I'm really wondering if we're even capable of being, uh, objective within ourselves to identify uh, the pretty words that, that we'll say and that we'll spout off, uh, but we don't actually believe and, and really have difficulty connecting with when we get outside of the, the presence of someone who is walking in the true essence of discipleship. And uh, is that level of, of object, objectivity capable on our own? Are, are we even capable of that? Uh, even when we have a uh, Holy Spirit prompting the objective words, are we willing to to actually listen uh, and and really focus and pay attention to what he's saying? Uh, I, I know we'd love to say yes, uh, we would listen. Yes, we we have that capability to be objective on our own, and, and we might actually believe it. Um, and, and in that, actually believing that, we, we could have said it enough times uh, to start to actually believe the lie and convince ourselves that the lie is true. And so it, it, it's it's a difficult thing to to start looking at, you know, why do these strongholds remain present? You know, is it our, our belief that allows the power of strongholds to remain even after he's destroyed them, even after Jesus uh, has done all the work? Uh, are we missing uh, a demand on our lives that sees a lasting manifestation of destroyed strongholds? Uh, I, I think we are. I think there has to be some demand that's missing there. And, and really, excuse me, and really, I, I start to, to see this as a picture where we're trying to construct and build some sturdy structure out of a pile of ashes. And, and imagine that for a second, trying to, to build uh, with a material that has no form to support anything. And if, if you were to hold it in your hand, it just kind of flows through your hand. And, and it's a ludicrous thought to play out. Yet we're doing that. Uh, when we put faith in a demonic stronghold to stand in the face of Jesus. And 
and we have to understand stronghold in, in two separate ways. When you when you do a a search of the word stronghold, uh, particularly in the Old Testament, you're going to see uh, more often than not it talk about the stronghold of God, God as our stronghold, as our source of strength, as our source of uh, uh, provision, protection, uh, all of the things that that we we need. That's what you see laid out most often when you when you find the word stronghold and uh so i i want to make that distinction here is is we are 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 building and trying to build something back up that that is already defeated we have to remember that our faith is is incredibly powerful and if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed uh more in a stronghold, uh, the, uh, a demonic stronghold, than in Jesus, who wins? You know, in, in your mind, there is going to be a win that takes place, and and what is is winning within us is what we're carrying, and what's carried is what you're bringing into uh, oneness that you're using to sharpen those around you, and what you use to sharpen others with if that is adopted becomes a stronghold good or bad that's this is what's happening this is kind of what's taking place there the the winning is carried what's carried is is used to sharpen and and that can become a stronghold whether it's a stronghold for god or a a stronghold uh for the enemy this is what's being done so is is jesus christ your stronghold or is it someone or something else? And and we must absolutely must stop undervaluing how how powerful we are as as the ones who bear the image of God, uh, believer or not. That's who we are. Uh, so it, it really comes down to a choice. How will you? choose to represent that image to the world how are you going to do that what is that what is that expression of the image of god going to look like to the world and, and also what eyes are you you looking with and and choosing to believe the natural eyes or the spiritual eyes and so i, I have a couple of scriptures i want to look at this morning uh two places in second corinthians uh, that I want us to look at. And the first is uh, 2 Corinthians 10. It's uh, We're going to just start in verse 1. And uh, we're going we're gonna to read the whole chapter. It says, Now I, Paul, myself, urge you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am meek when face to face with you, but bold towards you when absent. I ask that when I am present, I need not be, be bold, with the confidence with which I propose to be courageous against some who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. And when he says fortresses, that also uh, means uh, strongholds too. So, uh, just to keep that in mind, in the New American Standard, it, it, they took the word stronghold and replaced fortresses in there. So uh, it, it could be either or. 
Verse five, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We've talked about this a lot. Uh, we've talked about it before that every single thought, uh, regardless of how you perceive it initially, needs to be taken captive and uh, uh, made to be obedient to Christ. So very important to, to keep that in mind, that every single thought needs to be taken captive. Where is this coming from? How is this serving me? Where is this pushing me to? We're destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. We are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, and we are ready to punish all disobedience. Whenever your obedience is complete, you are looking at things as as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in, in himself that he is Christ, let him consider this again within himself, that just as he is Christ, so also are we. Looking at things outwardly, this is what I was I was uh, alluding to a minute ago, like in, in the question of what eyes are you using to to observe, to to look at all things? Is it spiritual eyes first, or or is it your your natural eyes um, that you can that you can close? Verse seven: You are looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself that he is Christ, let him consider this again within himself. That just as he is Christ, so also are we. For even if I boast somewhat further about our authority which the Lord gave for building up and not destroying you, I will not be put to shame. For I do not wish to seem as if I would terrify you by my letters. For they say his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in words by letters when absent, such persons we are also indeed when present. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves. But when we measure them, but when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. This is one of those things. Let such a person consider this, that we are in word by letters when absence. Such persons we are also uh, indeed when present. So we, we, we've talked about this over and over again, and, and this is another one of those, those parts where it goes back to how, how do strongholds remain effective in people's lives when they, they step out of the doors of the church at the end of a service on Sunday and, and, and just wreak havoc on them throughout the entire week? It, you should be the same person there. Uh, in the hour and a half to two hours, however long that, that service is uh, throughout the entire week uh, until you come back again. It should be the same person. And this comparison here, for we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves, those people that are, are self-congratulatory. And they're measure, <clears throat> excuse me, measuring themselves by themselves. And we'll talk about this more in, in a minute. But I, I just want you to, to, to keep this in mind is that um, 
this is something we can take. Well, a lot of this Paul is dealing with certain situations that were happening in the church at Corinth. We we can pull from this to be able to to look for for the application in our own lives. And this is one of them. He goes on in verse 13, but we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure to reach even as far as you. So he, he knows that uh, Paul knows they came to to preach the gospel of Jesus to the church of Corinth or, or to the people of Corinth and, and build up the church there. And so he's not trying to to reach out of that. He knows that that this is a group of people that that God had given him to minister to, and and this is that situation where he's dealing with things and, and people trying to come in uh, later. He says, "For we are not overextending ourselves, as if we did not reach to you, for we were the first to come, even as far as you, in the gospel of Christ. Not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in other men's labors." But with the hope that is your faith grows, we will be. <clears throat> Excuse me. But with the hope that as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere, enlarged even more by you, so as to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you, and not to boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another. But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. For it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but he whom the Lord commends. Looking at this, <clears throat> we have to take into account here. There, there are, are some trying to come in, and and there are strongholds that are being built up in in the people here that is causing a division, rather than a unification, which Paul speaks to later, and, and we'll get to in a minute. So I believe it's important for us uh, when looking at this. There's a couple different places to be able to pull out of it out of out of this chapter uh the first being it, it's important to know what weapons we have to to wield that are at our fingertips what are they what do they do how do i use them when should i use them what is each one uh used against right we, we must have a clear understanding of our weaponry and, and become familiar with its operation uh you wouldn't want to to use a, a a rifle, a sniper rifle, when artillery is called for. Completely different different things, different applications. The right weapon in in the right application. So this is why it's vital to understand what's available to us. And, and this is something else that's important to know. There is no weapon that is is possessed by our enemy that can counter or is even equal uh, to the weapon weapons of our warfare that. Paul talks about here. There is no arms race uh, that seeks to play this this game of one ups one upmanship. That's just not real. In, in reality, the most effective weapon in, in our enemy's arsenal is is ourselves. Uh, convincing you to put your weapons down and become some ineffective spiritual pacifist that continually gets beat and bullied that's that's their most effective weapon is for for you to sit down and not fight my, my sincere hope is that that isn't you uh, my hope is that you live uh, a life convinced that 
our defeated enemy is only capable of throwing fits and, and attempting to make you think they have the capacity to win. They don't actually want a fight. They don't want to actually fight you because they know they, they can't stand against those weapons. They want you sitting uh, in the corner crying and, and whimpering about how big of a victim you think you are or how oppressed you think you are. Uh, it, in reality, you're neither a victim nor are you oppressed. It's not possible when you're in Christ. Uh, like Stephen in the midst of, of being stoned, uh, you're you're in a, a rapturous joy. <clears throat> like Paul and Silas, after being beaten and thrown in prison, they worshipped. They didn't see themselves as, as victims or oppressed. Uh, they were joyful. And, and, and I'm not saying that there isn't uh, oppression in the world uh, and that... Uh, people aren't victimized. Uh, this is about perspective, uh, about the perspective that you choose to take. If if you want to be effective, you need to be familiar with the weaponry. Get it out. Take it to the range. See what its capabilities are. And, and in that, uncover any areas of unbelief in you that Holy Spirit can take care of. We stand and lay hold of what is ours. The enemy doesn't stand a chance. That's right. If you lay hold of what's yours, the enemy stands no chance. None whatsoever. And talking about unbelief and getting out our weaponry and seeing what its capabilities are, I think we have to look at what how do we get rid of unbelief? And getting rid of unbelief requires us to walk in faith. That is the way that that happens. And that means you are taking action and demonstrating uh, that you trust God with the outcomes. You're not, you're not worried about what the outcomes are. Your faith, that, that action that you're taking that says, I trust God. And he is going to, he's asked you to do this. And so I'm going to go do that. And I know he's going to take care of the outcome. Uh, so that, that's going to conquer that, that unbelief. Because you're going to have, you're going to have a, a real world practical demonstration of, of what God does for us. And so that's that, that first thing pulling out of, of, Second Corinthians 10. And secondly, after reading this, you need to know by what metric you're comparing yourself. Uh, we can't fool ourselves by saying, oh, I'm just better than I was before. Uh, because that's comparing behavior to behavior by applying some arbitrary metric uh, to that and saying my behavior is getting better. Whatever that means. Uh, and and we do this all the time in the name of growth. Uh, look at how much I've grown. And, and I, I understand growth in a certain way, but uh, the comparison really should be in your transformation to become more Christ-like. That should be where that that is being done. That comparison is being made. Am I more Christ-like? Am I more like him? 
not is my behavior better uh that that behavior is is a a is not a leading indicator it's a lag indicator it's just something that is is happens as part of of your transformation your transfiguration to be more like christ and, and this is this is another tactic of the enemy to keep strongholds or or fortresses intact in your mind uh and and in place in your understanding uh again what eyes are you looking through first you you may need to to close your eyes to allow holy spirit to open up for you the spiritual to open up your spiritual eyes and so i can't stress to you the significance of this action if you haven't cultivated that relationship with holy spirit and you need to start now because you need to be able to close your eyes at, at any point in time and and ask Holy Spirit to, to open up the spiritual realm to you, to be able to see. And, and eventually you're going to get to a point where you're not even going to have to close your eyes. You're naturalized to be able to see into the spiritual. But there's a, there's a relationship there that you, you need to be cultivating with Holy Spirit. Okay, I want to jump over to, <clears throat> excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And we're going to start in verse one. It says, this is the third time I am coming to you. Every fact is to be confirmed by the testimony of two or three witnesses. I have previously said when present the second time, and though now absent, I say in advance to those who have sinned in the past and to all the rest as well, that if I come again, I will not spare anyone. Since you are seeking for proof of Christ who speaks in me, and who is not weak toward you, but mighty in you. For indeed, he was crucified because of weakness. Yet he lives because of the power of God. For we also are weak in him, yet we will live with him because of the power of God directed toward you. I love what, what Paul is laying out here, that we also are weak in him, yet we will live with him because of the power of God directed toward you. The power of God directed toward you is that resurrection power. And, and we have to not separate ourselves from that and, and continue to build up demonic strongholds and, and look at how powerful they are. Because they're not. They are absolutely not. And Paul goes on here in verse five and says, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you fail the test. But I tr <clears throat> Excuse me, but I trust that you will realize that we ourselves do not fail the test. Now we pray to God that you do not, that you do no wrong. Not that we ourselves may appear approved, but that we may do what is right, even though we may appear un unapproved. For we can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. I, I, I love that right there that Paul says, we can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. That, that's that's the, the, the compulsion on, on his life, that 
he just he he just lives this way naturally. There's nothing he can do about it. He is is so in, in one with Jesus that he he doesn't feel that he can do anything against the truth, but only uh, for the truth. He says, for we rejoice when we ourselves are weak, but you are strong. This we also pray for you, that you will be made complete, that that your transfiguration, that your uh, transformation, whatever that whatever word that that is in there. I, I'm not, I don't remember right now. That transition uh, or transformation from uh, the way you are now to being Christ like. That's that is is a completeness there. That is being made complete. Since for this reason I am writing these things while absent, so that when I when present, I need not use severity, in accordance with the authority which the Lord gave me for building up and not for tearing down. Finally, brethren, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So he closes out here uh, telling them to to rejoice, to be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, be in oneness with one another. And, and so that that's, that's uh, again, something you can see throughout. He's, he's addressing all of these things through here. And all of these attempts to have uh, demonic strongholds remain in people's mind or or somebody coming in to try and build those things back up. And so I hope you're seeing the, the reiteration of using the right lens to evaluate who you really are. Uh, uh, what voice of identity are you listening to? And this is an important question to answer and, and really Looking at it again, will you be beat and bullied or will you fight? And, and, and as, as odd as it may sound, uh, some of us may need to look into combative sports to, to get an understanding of what it means to fight. I actually get involved with these things. What does it feel like to be in a struggle? We don't always know. Some of us don't know because we've never really been in a struggle. We've lived with with comfort for so long, there's, there's no real understanding of struggle. And, and even if we, <coughs> excuse me, even if we struggle with, with certain things in our lives, to be able to fight back in those struggles, that is something else entirely. We, we have, we've taken this posture of, of peace in a manner that uh, it is not used properly. If the weapons of our warfare are, are not against flesh and blood, but against uh, powers and principalities and strongholds, then, then we have to know what it is to fight. We can't apply peace in that direction. And... Understanding what it feels like to be in a struggle, it's going to be important. There, there's a confidence to be gained so that when you look in the mirror, you won't listen to the squeaky voice of, of self-flagellation where you just 
beat and berate yourselves at that point. Uh, rather looking in the mirror and, and hearing the sweet voice of God calling out the identity that he's given you. That's really what we need to be hearing. That's what we need to be seeing when we look at ourselves. We, we can we can look at other people and, and, and clearly see who they are, clearly be able to call out who God says that, that they are. But applying that same mindset to ourselves can, can be difficult. So test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. It, examine yourselves. Are you living a life that demonstrates trust in God to provide? Are you living a life that demonstra- demonstrates trust in, in God to uh, handle the outcomes? Or do you not recognize this about yourself, uh, that Jesus Christ is in you? And that's, that is taking this right out of 2 Corinthians 13. That stronghold uh, of our enemy stands no chance when the name of Jesus is spoken. No chance whatsoever. Any stronghold there is is reduced to a pile of ash. I think that's that's all I wanted to say is is that and remember that these strongholds cannot stand. When the name of Jesus is spoken. If you're seeing them still upright after that, it's it's a simple conversation with the Holy Spirit to see that that is just a pile of ash that is blown away with the simple breath of your God, of Jesus. And watch it crumble. Watch it fall. Don't sit on the sidelines any longer in in an attempt to apply peace where it shouldn't be applied. To apply oneness where it shouldn't be applied. Test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. All right. Love you all. Have a great week.